to even keel. Here, we have level-headed conversations on anything maritime. If you have a story to tell, reach out and we could tell you to the world together. To prosper and thrive, you needed brave men to venture out. And when men braved the oceans and ventured out to lands unknown, they became legendary. Who hasn't heard of a Christopher Columbus, a Marco Polo, or a Vasco da Gama? But who has heard of Juan de la Cosa, Anton de Alaminos, or Ahmed ibn Mazid? These were the men who showed the legendary navigators their way, their pilots. No matter where you come from, the danger lurks when the waters narrow. When a ship would reach the coast, the captain would wait at anchor where he thought it was safe. He would wait there until the natives came out in their canoes and helped the ship to harbor. These, the last leg of the voyage, potentially the most dangerous and challenging, cannot be completed without help. If you needed to make this passage, you needed pilots. Without pilots, there would be no shipping. Without shipping, there will be no viable commerce. There are references to pilots in texts as ancient as the Holy Bible. Once self-employed, fiercely independent, and mutually competitive, piloting is now what I think an organized service to the community that is not appreciated or understood enough. I knew nothing about the history of pilotage. I still don't. I happened to speak with Rajesh a week or so ago. Rajesh is the secretary of CMMI Kochi chapter, who's been a pilot with a major Indian port and has over 7,000 hours of pilotage experience. Our conversation got around to his profession and its history. That got me interested. I invited him to come and have a conversation here on Even Keel so you could hear his story. Welcome, Captain Rajesh Nambia. Thank you for coming about. Thank you, Abhijit. Uh, it's it's very uh, nice of you to have called uh, to talk on pilotage. It's it's really a proud moment for me to talk about pilotage. And yes, like you rightly said, it is very very few people know about it. That is also within the community. And you will be surprised how many in my own organization who are not part of the marine community actually understand what a marine pilot does. So thank you very much for having me here. Uh, thank you, Rajesh. Rajesh, uh, now uh, uh, 7,000 odd hours of pilotage, if I understand. Uh, how has these 7,000 hours uh, uh, been for you? Uh, can you talk us through what it was like? Oh, sure. <clears throat> well, uh, pilotage, uh, when I joined C, of course, it was all about becoming a captain. But somewhere down the line, during my early days, I was watching at different, different opportunities or different uh, roles that mariners play. And this action of the pilot, in particular, this act of ship handling was very, very, uh, you know, enthralling for me. I found it really interesting because there was some, some aura about that part of making this huge fellow dance to your tunes, you know. Ships, by the way, are the biggest movable man-made objects in the world. And the pilot was seemingly able to do this, you know, just control it in a place where even the captain was listening to him. And captain, you know, when you join the ship, the captain is the big man. You know, he's the big boss and he's as good as God on board. So to see someone who's able to tell the captain, no, this is how it is going to be done. And he was able to really move the ship through really, you know, intricate passages. So that was very, uh, you know, enchanting for me and decided long back that I'm going to be a pilot finally when the time is right. 
the other wonderful thing about this is okay you are saying 7000 hours but let me tell you i have never felt this 7000 hours or maybe it's up to 8000 now because <clears throat> in fact when you asked me how many hours that is when i actually sat down to start counting how many movements and how many hours you know i never actually counted that way because pilotage marine pilotage online airline pilotage we don't talk about flying hours or you know steaming hours here we just talk about number of movements we do you know and uh, for me the the best part about this job is that it is devoid of any sort of repetition or boredom you know the same ship from the same berth almost the same time can behave in a totally different way just because the draft changed a little bit or the wind changed a little bit so every movement is like a new movement and exactly that's how my boss always tells all of us that you have to deal with every movement as a first time the moment you start thinking i know this job i have done this 100 times before is the time when you are inviting accidents so that's it's wonderful that there is no boredom in this you do it's totally skill based and uh, the present generation of mariners will really empathize with me when i say no paperwork you know that's very wonderful about uh, <laughs> uh, pilotage you know the paperwork comes in only if you have an incident so that's added incentive for you know uh, people like me not to have an incentive you know so no paperwork then the other thing is you need to have uh, you know a, a flexible mind and that's very important for uh, pilotage which we have to cultivate over time it's like this you know you go on a vessel you have been given a moment you go there with every plan in your mind you know the tide you know the wind you know the everything so you have planned okay this is what i'm going to do but if you are a person who says that okay this is what i planned and this is all that i am going to do you're going to be a disaster there so many times it has happened that you go there with a plan but nature has different plans for you and you need to be able to quickly adapt and change sometimes your entire maneuver from what you had envisaged redirect your tugs redirect your resources and change a port turn could may suddenly become a starboard turn or whatever as per what it is you adapt it think of the safety of the vessel and take her out and that is very important in this pilotage and that is what keeps you know people like me very much uh, interested and if you looking for the how the journey starts then of course like any other major port we have you get selected and then you need to complete at least 6 months of training that includes 300 movements uh, whichever comes later you know if you finish your 300 movements before you complete 6 months so that doesn't matter you keep doing movements so most of us we finish around 330 to 350 movements by the time you complete the 6 months and the method they use and the time tested method of mentoring there are no theory classes or anything as of now because uh, you're all master mariners who are coming in so there is nothing more generic studies to be done what is to be done is port specific so the the entire gamut of teaching happens here by mentoring you see the senior pilot doing it then you start doing it the senior pilot feels confident to get i mean give you small small tasks that's how you start then you start making mistakes then you start learning how to come out of those mistakes and then yes you are pilot that's that's very interesting for one i never thought of uh, pilotage as number of movements i know being in the industry i also used to did not i did not have this idea that it would be about uh, movements or the number of movements and another thing that i had a misconception i think rajesh was that this job would be boring you know every day go in you know go on to a ship take her inside take her out you know what's what's going to be 
so cha- I mean, so challenging about it. That's what I used to wonder. But hearing you speak, I understand. You know that every movement is a new movement, and uh, uh, you know the nature has its own plans for you, and you know you've got to adapt every time, every 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 uh, to every change. And uh, most interestingly, this mentoring part, I I think that's that's very very interesting to me to see that that's the only way that you can become a pilot. You know, observe, learn, make those small mistakes. You know, correct them, learn how to correct your mistakes. I think uh, yeah, that's quite quite interesting. Okay, just just uh, you know, for our listeners, I'm 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 hopeful that actually on even keel there are listeners who are not mariners and so may not fully understand what pilotage is. Uh, what is pilotage? What is its purpose? In as simple a language as you can. Okay, <clears throat> let me let me start from why, then I'll come to the what. You know, so the idea is that the ports for any nation for its economy are very vital. they are the supply lines so no government no nation can afford or wants to see the ports or port facilities non operational or shut down even for a few hours forget few days and they understand that the biggest threat or the biggest uh, or the most dangerous aspect to this endeavor of theirs is a navigational disaster you know uh if you ask me how to uh, i mean I, i don't want to say in that line you know because <laughs> it may go in some other way but a vessel uh, say grounding in a channel far away from the actual port itself but if it is going to block the channel can effectively shut down the port for days together depending on how bad or how hard a ground she is or whatever then about the vessels coming inside and making contact what we call i mean you are you have been in the insurance uh, sector so you know what i'm saying about the fixed and floating objects the ffo so the money involved the repairs the downtime so nobody wants that so to prevent this sort of navigational disasters from affecting the performance of the ports that is how the ports and in india when it comes to major ports the government of india decided to recruit train license and control the pilots who will make sure that this disaster doesn't happen so this is the uh, why of why do you need pilots on board now what a pilot does well in major ports almost all major ports in india you need to be a master mariner to be considered required to be a, a pilot i mean master mariner is a ship captain now the thing with ship captains is they are very well trained in navigation they are very well trained and they know very well the, how their ship behaves all that is fine but practically it is impossible for any captain to know the intricacies or the finer points and details of every port in the world that he or she will have to call today or tomorrow that's just not possible because every port is unique in its own way the approaches of say uh, bombay is going to be totally different from mangalore or cochin or chennai each port has its own challenges with drafts the tides the currents the wind patterns the 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 depth requirements the depth availabilities the the layout of the port i mean so and just since uh, we are talking on that for your information you know there is one fundamental difference between an airline pilot's license and a port pilot's license you know the port pilot license is absolutely restricted to that port so suppose i am working in a port for the last 15 years that doesn't give me any authority to go to even to a neighboring port and say okay now i i know how what to do here absolutely not i need to be retrained relicensed unlike an airline pilot who is i mean who can operate all over india or the world and the airports so the 
to give you an analogy i mean it's not exactly a perfect analogy but since you asked to explain you can think of say a mother holding a baby in her arms standing near the river who she wants to cross obviously the mother is not an expert at crossing the river but she has to cross so you get some guy who's an expert at this he says don't worry ma'am i'll help you to cross the river with your baby he takes over the baby from her hand slowly gingerly uses his expertise he knows where is the you know the fall and the 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 rocks and all that and helps the mother and the baby cross the river and gives the baby safely back into the mother's hand the analogy i'm trying to do here is the expert being the pilot the mother being the captain and the baby being the ship you know so that is exactly what a pilot does we go out we board the ships from the outer sea bring the ship inside i mean we take over navigational authority from the master definitely not the responsibility but that is because that is always with the captain he is in command we come inside we help put the vessel alongside once all the cargo operations or the ship's business is over then again the pilot boards the vessel takes the ship outside in communication or in in cooperation with the master and his team then we hand over it to the master say goodbye thank you and our reward is that happiness on the master to see that his baby has been well taken care of now uh, this is the long and short of what a pilot is doing now i have had a lot of my friends who are landlubbers asking me what's the big deal yeah come on you say it's a big ship and all that okay fine so why don't you slow down when you come inside that's what we do when you're driving you know if it, the weather is very bad or you just slow down i said absolutely fine i mean i can't uh, you know fault that argument you're absolutely right but there are only two problems in slowing down you know a vessel and which when you when you take compare with a car you know especially for people who are not in the marine field there are two problems here number one we don't have brakes on the ship you know yeah. so you just cannot slam something and hope it will stop the only way you want to quickly stop is you run the propellers you know backward or what we call astern propulsion but mm-hmm. the downside of that is the moment you give astern propulsion you don't have steering on the vessel and yes. w- would you as a car driver like a situation where you are told that wait your car is moving forward but sorry you have no control over your steering you know mm-hmm. so no pilot likes that no handler likes that so you try to control the momentum in such a way that you use that astern moment for minimum possible time because that is the duration in which you have no control over the steering the other part is the person who is driving the car has the luxury of knowing that his road is not moving you know but unfortunately <laughs> our road is always moving the moment you drop the speed below a certain speed for different vessels as per their design and construction what we love to call our minimum steering speed the ship is not going to listen to you the nature is going to take over the wind the current they are going to start dragging your ship what we call drift to whichever side they want to take you so that is the challenge of getting this vessel to reduce speed and keep steering under control and finally stop just in time so that you know a lot of anticipation and prediction is required in this business and bigger the ship bigger the more the momentum more difficult it is to predict that that's why of course you know as you become senior you get bigger and bigger ships so that is the uh, short of what the pilotage is all about i hope i have just mentioned it in short uh, not stressed it too much 
No, I, I think you've made the point. I think the analogy uh, drives home the point uh, quite well of the mother and baby, uh, you know, being helped by an expert to get across the uh, river. Uh, so uh, basically, pilotage is because masters, ship captains, uh, they can come from the, you know, uh, from the father's ports. But it is when they reach closer to a port, closer to land, that's where all the danger lurks. And uh, sadly, like you said, it is impossible for a master mariner or a captain to know the dangers in every port that he calls. And to help him navigate this last stretch, you have these experts, you know, pilots who come on board and then handhold and slowly, uh, you know, uh, take the ship uh, navigating and avoiding the dangers that is very peculiar in that particular port. And which you said, I mean, if you were to move to another port, uh, then you would have to retrain and relicense yourself. It's a very specific uh, uh, skill, uh, which is very local. Uh, so I think the point is, uh, uh, you made the point quite well, and I think uh, uh, it explains pilotage uh, quite succinctly. Uh, now, again, when I'm take, again talking about this you know, master, I was reading this book, uh, uh, not reading this book, I read this book a while ago, two years before the mast, and they are making a voyage uh, from... Uh, New York, from the east coast of America to California, they're going around the Cape Horn, very bad weather, and you know, they successfully reach uh, uh, the west coast uh, after having uh, weathered all the storms, you know, whatever difficulties they had out at sea, the master was able to uh, master was able to uh, overcome all those and reach the destination. But once at the destination where he reached, now he's not confident to go into the port. He's waiting at Anchorage. And there he's got his uh, crew to start firing uh, guns, uh, you know, for a pilot. So he says, and I mean, if I may quote from that, uh, I, I, I just happened to have it before me. It says, just before midnight, a light land breeze, land breeze sprang upon, which carried us well along. And at four o'clock, thinking ourselves to the northward of Race Point, we hauled upon, upon the wind and stood into the bay, west-northwest for Boston Light, and commenced firing guns for a pilot. So when you talk about firing guns for a pilot, uh, so I mean it's quite different from what happens now. So how how were pilotage? How was pilotage in the in the earlier days? You know, uh, or you know, uh, the origins of pilotage is is that something that uh, uh, you can talk us through? Sure, sure. Uh, in fact, I would love to because there is something uh, you know. Since you said about the history of pilotage, you know, let, let me ask this. You know, okay, if I ask you or any mariner, he will get the answer right. Like. When I say a word pilot, what comes in your mind? But you ask any any person who is <laughs> that's not from the shipping field, you ask what's a pilot? And, you know, he's going to say airline pilot 99 out of the 100 times. And, in fact, even my kids, just because they know I'm working as a pilot somewhere, they think, okay, pilot has got something to do with the ship. Otherwise, if you say pilot, that is the dream job of all kids, you know, for because they're flying the airplanes. Now, is it their fault? No, of course not. I mean, there is a famous line which I think the the entertainment industry says, you know, out of sight is out of mind. And I have found that this is most applicable for us here, you know. Now, the uh, the fact remains that the first fixed-wing flight was in, I think, December 1903 by the Wright brothers, you know. So, which means we have not yet had 150 years of flying. I'm talking about airline flying here. But pilotage is... I mean, references to pilotage can be found in the 7th century BC. There is reference to pilots 
in the famous you know classic of uh, homer the what the iliad or uh, virgil there is remarks in the bible about pilotage to put it very short the uh, it's more than 2000 years old and it's among the one of the oldest professions in the world but still it is not very well understood you know the uh, the pilotage as such in the olden days you know there were two things that happened one uh, i am sure many of us know that and most of the mariners definitely know that that the masters of the ships were also the owners of the ship so they had the you know they were running their own ships basically you know and uh, the the idea like what you said about this example which you uh, quoted yes the master was smart he knew that there could be a lot of pitfalls there could be a lot of wrecks or there could be uh, shortage of depth and all that so he needs a pilot now in the olden days you know the pilotage was highly individual skills individual you know uh, competition cutthroat competition to reach the ship first the pilots were a bunch of people and in fact uh, if you look at real history the pilots in many ports were basically senior fishermen who knew the port inside out you know that's how they started off but then of course they needed knew how to handle those ships they knew how to communicate with the foreign crew that used to come and each of them used to get into their boats and with time they realized that if you have to outdo the other fellow you need to have faster boats so there was a competition among the pilots to rush and get hold on board the ship and offer his services to the captain for of course for a fee and uh, the captain used to agree now you won't believe uh, in fact derogatory terms like hustlers are also sometimes used for pilots in the olden days you know because these fellows are somehow trying to hustle and uh, get on board and get the job but all said and done it was like that for quite some time and uh, there are if you look at the paper uh, the in the net you can find advertisements where pilots are advertising about themselves you know as a brand or or uh, or uh, you know a product to take our services and you know we are going to give you the best services sort of thing but then of course it came with a price you know if you 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 made a mistake in the job you could be severely punished and you know those were the days where guns were on the ship for firing into the air you know i wish a master could get that today in the age of piracy but you know it's not possible <laughs> but uh, those were the days guns were there and human life was not so protector or valuable so you could have multiple range of punishments for a you know mistake that could happen and including you know even end of life so that is if you say the history of pilotage uh, it's very old in fact and uh, references all over the place but yes very less or uh, very uh, least known outside the fraternity okay uh, now talking about this uh, this punishment because um, i mean i've i've heard of uh, you know this being as bad as uh, even even death uh, is that is that is that like uh, is that a rumor or is that like true i mean in the olden days everything was possible you see there was no much you know regulations rules and regulations and uh, the ship captain was supposed to be some real big authority you know his word was considered law in many ways you know so and if you made a mistake or if you could be proven that it was not negligence or if you were drunk or something i mean in the olden days it was absolutely possible it was absolutely possible and uh, of course you can't think of such a thing happening today but yes severe punishments where the norm you know when you because you are you know you are advertising yourself as a professional and then you are not doing the job and you are jeopardizing probably the lives and 
cargo and lot of things in the process environment of course at that time was not such a big concern but lives and property definitely were you know of the ship staff okay no because i think i read somewhere where it said in 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 france uh, there was this thing in listed among the duties of the pilot where it said if pilot by ignorance or negligence and i'm quoting uh, uh if a pilot by ignorance or negligence occasions the loss of a ship he shall pay 100 livre fine and be forever deprived of the exercise of pilotage and if he does it designedly he shall be punished with death so uh, you know there was a time when i uh, when this was like uh, you know pilots could be punished uh, for uh, if, if they if they could not uh, if they uh, caused the occasion the loss of a ship by design so this is something that i came across and which is why i was asking no it's quite reasonable don't you think even today if you are using a vessel intentionally to ram against a port or another vessel or anything as per today's laws most of the developed world it will look at it nothing less than terrorism and terrorism the the you know the final punishment for terrorism in most of the countries is after all the capital punishment yes i agree but uh, so, you know why they were punished... intentional you know intentional that is of course yeah, i get it i get it yeah so i mean <clears throat> so they were they could they could be beheaded at the windless but uh, the uh, the crew were apparently uh, free of any 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 penalty so that was sort of the thing that uh, you know uh, may have been in existence in the 13th or 14th centuries uh, it's quite quite probable it's, it's quite true abhijit but in case you have time i would like to you know walk you through there is something else you know which what is valid today you know we have come a long way and today uh, you know even if uh, of course intentional is again a different ball game intentional is out of the purview everywhere there is no limitation of liability or you know uh, you know uh, there is no protection uh, in any which way but otherwise if during the process of doing pilotage uh, uh, there is a damage to fixed floating object or there is damage to the vessel or something else happens you know today the pilot is not paying for it the the monetary compensation is taken from the vessel not from the master of course from the vessel and there is a interesting uh, uh, history aspect of it do you do you, do you have time for me should i you know yeah, say please, on that please. you know because uh, you know it's one of the least understood things when we were sailing also we used to always say that you know the pilot is coming now whatever this fellow goes and does we'll be responsible for it which you know uh, that's little bit of not understanding what is going on here it is not that the pilot comes on board and he does any mistake and then he can walk away strut his stuff and walk away and say now you are responsible that is exactly not the case you know the pilot is definitely taken to task there is an inquiry there is uh, you know uh, repercussions there is uh, disciplinary action of course it is not publicized you know the media doesn't get to cover it like maybe that what happens on a ship or what uh, the seafarers come to know what happened to the sailing staff that's a different matter what is shifted is the responsibility of the monetary compensation and why that happened is that you see from historically the pilots were first themselves responsible because they were offering services on their own but soon it became evident that the cost of these things whether it is the wharf or the jetty or the vessel or anything associated with shipping is to you know because ballooning up and it was not possible for the pilot to pay from his pocket now that is when the ports also slowly you know uh, realized that and they started recruiting training and licensing the pilots and that if our pilots make a mistake fine we will take responsibility but then soon the ports also realized that the costs are very high so it was quite natural for them 
to go for insurance because that's what we always do isn't it we have something and we feel that from our pocket if we have to take care of the maintenance of it or the repair work it's too much then we go for insurance whether it is a vehicle or home or all that so the port started going for insurance now the the think tank work that the reason why the ports are taking insurance is what is because the ships are coming there if the ships were not coming there was no need for that you know there is no any insurance to be taken so they started putting this insurance cost into the port costs for the vessel so the vessel owners started telling that boss anyway we are paying premium to pni who is going to be reimbursing in case of you know damages to the port or navigational errors or you know anything of that fixed and floating objects now you don't add additional cost on us in the name of port cost so let it be like that and that is how this the whole thing turned around that even if the you know pilot makes a mistake the owner will pay for it i mean that is what it is actually not that the owner is responsible for it you know now of course to give you this small uh, i have fast tracked many many processes and many many years of uh, in intermediate uh, developments that has happened over time but this is the you know in a nutshell how this idea of the pilot making a mistake and the master becoming responsible has come out of it okay quite interesting now i mean if i were to go back to what you were saying you're talking about uh, a pilot offering his services that was there was a time when pilots were fighting against each other to actually get to the uh, biggest ship uh, out in the ocean so uh, i mean not in the ocean but uh, yeah maybe at the anchorage or at the <clears throat> uh, roadsteads so at that time pilotage was an organized pilotage was uh, like you said uh, you know uh, uh, hustling so uh, you had pilots go out build themselves the fastest boats that they had and then reach out to the largest ship because i think uh, i assume that largest ship would mean uh, more money yes yeah and and then they would go on board and you know so it was not uh, something that was uh, uh, compulsory it was a service that was offered but sometime during this uh, during the journey from where it was this voluntary where pilots uh, you know like i said where uh, were out to get each other and you know it was a competition among pilots and somewhere it got organized and then somewhere uh, from being this uh, voluntary service being offered to ship captains it became uh, it became sort of an organized uh, system of pilotage where there was a roster and things like that and you know you didn't have to fight with the other pilot to sort of go and get there because i even read somewhere that because of this all this uh, pilot cutters going out into the waters there were even accidents among these boats and then you know the pilots even lost their lives in their uh, in their uh, in their effort to get on board to ship so i want to understand can you give us a context or you know uh, walk us through uh, uh, this disorganized pilotage where each one to his own and where it was a voluntary service and then slowly it became an organized pilotage and now uh, i think more or less uh, you know pilotage is compulsory in all the ports so is there a journey that you can take us through yeah sure see it's about uh, you see when when the uh initial days it was unorganized it was the ports were not that developed and the understanding of how important the ports are for to the powers that be was very less so these things could go on of individual ports i mean individual uh, what do you say for that uh, service providers trying to hustle or trying to outbid each other or run around i mean compete with each other and in the process accidents happening and all that but uh, like i said about the insurance part of it and the cost involved also the understanding and the appreciation that ports are very very essential to the nation and the economy it started changing 
that's how the pilotage started getting more and more organized they started bringing in benchmarks they started bringing in not just the ability to pilot or uh, you know uh, whether how you are able to project yourself you started bringing uh, qualifications that was minimum requirement and to put it in one word they started standardizing pilotage you know they started setting standards and requirements to make it more organized more uh, systematic and it also meant that you know uh, certain areas were demarked as voluntary pilotage and some places became compulsory pilotage compulsory pilotage obviously means you know those are areas where the port or the authorities have determined that no it's just not worth taking the risk you know the master if he makes a mistake the 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 price may be too much for it and then there are places where are there is voluntary pilotage where the master can at this you know uh, choice call the pilot and you know get this done so uh, this is what is the you know the journey i would say in very shortly from the unorganized and uh, individual based system of pilotage services to the what you see today of organized pilotage uh, services being provided by ports whether in the government sector or private sector whichever way but this is the uh, short of it okay so voluntary pilotage you know it's the master's choice but compulsory pilotage is uh, you know in an area where there are high risks and nobody wants to uh, take those so you ensure that you have qualified trained licensed people you know piloting the vessel inside now uh, is there a difference in the liabilities between a voluntary pilotage or a compulsory pilotage because voluntary you know i have a choice so i make the choice but in compulsory i have no choice i have to take the pilot so if there is an uh, e- event uh, that happens during pilotage uh, is there a difference in the uh, liabilities or i mean is it uh, still the same like you explained sometime before it is it is still the same you see the whatever damage happens from the ship of course the servant of the owner which is the master or if there was a pilot on board in which case the you know the the uh, the assumption is that the uh, pilot was working for the owner in a way but that is absolutely wrong you know but i i'll come to that later on but in which ways the individuals are not held liable but the the lien or what you would say the responsibility will come on the vessel again not on the owner but on the vessel so whether it is voluntary pilotage area or the compulsory pilotage area anything happens the vessel will be held responsible okay so uh, and you said you would uh, come back to uh, the pilot not being the servant of the owner or that assumption not being completely correct yeah that is uh, okay that is about uh, you know it's about because you know there is something which many have this wrong idea wrong notion that the pilot comes on board and i'm i'm being very blunt here so that all especially the marine fraternity who are listening the pilot coming on board is not coming to ensure the safety of the vessel you know okay a lot of people have this concept that the pilot is coming on board to make sure that the ship is safe no the pilot is working for the port the port has trained him he's they are paying him to make sure that this vessel does not end up as a navigational disaster for the port so if you look at his role in ensuring that the port is safe safe from the vessel to achieve that his work will obviously make the ship safe but this has to be understood and differentiated that he is not coming there to make the ship safe are are you getting what i'm trying to say here you know his objective is not to keep the ship safe but in the process that he's trying to keep the port safe the activities that he will do 
will obviously be something that will be keeping the ship, uh, ship safe. Otherwise, his port is in trouble. Yeah, okay, I get that. So, the vessel being safe is an outcome of what uh, the pilot's uh, role is, his job description is. So, for keeping the port safe, you have to keep the... Uh, you will the, end up keeping the ship safe. Keeping the now, once the master mariner or the mariners have that distinction in their mind, they will be able to many times understand why the pilot is behaving in a certain way sometimes, you know, where he could have... Uh, he said, I mean, many times you find that the master feeling... Uh, yeah, this guy was also a master mariner. He knows very well that maybe sometimes the engine doesn't fire on time or sometimes, you know, you miss a fire. You could have given me a few more minutes. What is the hurry in dropping an anchor and all that? So, he will yeah. understand, you know, why he's doing it because his problem is not whether your engine is fine or whether a ship is safe. His problem is that he's immediately thinking, will the channel be blocked? Will I get into trouble? Will any... So, he'll immediately drop anchor. That's the first and last difference also, you know. So... Uh, that distinction, once it is in his mind, it will be easy for a lot of master mariners to see why the pilot is behaving in a particular way. Okay, I, 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 I get that. I mean, just a curious thing because, you know, while sailing and when you were junior officer, something you always wrote in the in the, in the bell books or your you know, bridge running logs, uh, engines and helm to pilot's advice and master's orders. So, I mean, this is, uh, uh, this is how things are. It's an advice and, you know, the final order is from the master. Uh, Abhijit, I would like to differ from that. That word advice is a very, you know, uh, confusing word. Uh, let me say this way, you know, Abhijit, you are my friend, you are, you know, I advise you on something. Are you okay. obligated to follow that advice? No. No, right? It's it's your choice. Okay. You, you may take it or you may feel that, no, uh, okay, this guy has given me advice in good faith. But I feel I have better information or somebody is giving me a different advice and I can take, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. the, that is a problem with the word advice. I wouldn't agree with the word advice. I, I agree with you. For many years, I have also been writing the same thing in the log, you know, master's orders and pilot advice. Till I, you know, started uh, reading about it and understanding. And I think some of the companies now are changing that. And I was glad to hear that, you know. I wouldn't like to take names. But yes, some companies, forward-thinking companies are changing that into, you know, master's orders and pilot's conduct. Now, mm -hmm. that I'm sure his, their legal department has advised them on that. And I really appreciate that they have come out with this word, you know, because what happens here is in a compulsory pilotage area, the master, you know, has to listen to the pilot. There is an option of not taking his advice. Now, that doesn't mean that the master has to live in a world where he doesn't like the pilot and he feels the pilot is doing something unsafe. No, that is not the idea. If the master feels that the pilot is doing something which is unsafe for his ship, he has every right to tell the pilot, sorry, I don't agree with you. But after that, the requirement of the master is he has to inform the authority and get the pilot replaced. He cannot proceed ahead on his own. You know, it's a compulsory pilotage area, which means if you are not happy with the conduct of the pilot, you get him replaced or removed and get another pilot. But you cannot go proceed ahead in the compulsory pilotage area on your own. So that is why I would say that the right word is like some companies are doing the pilot's conduct and the master's orders. Okay, uh, I get that. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, sort of bring that up and see where where, where things stood. Yeah, okay, and I mean, I, I would like to add add a few, uh, a couple of things more to that, you know, Abhijit, to say that 
you see the whole idea of this pilot and master relationship is very you know very very important for this function of pilotage you see uh, both are domain experts in their own way you know the master is a domain expert in on his ship he knows his ship he knows how the ship is going to behave he knows what when the ship is given a stern where she is going to swing how fast she is going to swing how quickly the vessel is going to stop how quickly she builds up speed you know he knows his helmsman there he knows his people basically the master is the authority on everything that is on board the ship the pilot has no clue about all that you know he is to rely and learn from his experience on board but what the pilot is expert in is the local knowledge you know local meteorological information the hydrographic information cartographic information the layout of the port how they behave the 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 uh, the normal practices in the port the pilot will be i mean a uh, lot of people have this idea that the pilot only advises the master on navigation no sir the pilot can also tell you how is the best way to go ashore also you know the pilot can also tell you which is the best uh, club in town where you can go so the pilot is actually the local expert you know so in every possible way so it is when this is appreciated by both parties and when uh, these two experts sit down and decide that yes we need to have you know a teamwork together have a symphony that is when you get music you know but if they are not in symphony they are not in sync with each other you'll only get noise i mean one of my senior pilots had told me this you know and i find it true every day that the pilot actually doesn't do anything you know pilot doesn't do any work what he does is he marshals all the resources at his disposal that includes the tugs the you know the port facilities the nature that is at his uh, resource the ship staff the human resources that is available all that he marshals to get a job done actually he doesn't do anything so in in uh, short the the pilot is like the orchestra conductor you know he doesn't blow or play any instrument but he makes sure that all the instruments you know uh, align in a particular way so that music is created otherwise it will be all noise and nobody is going to be happy about it and the difference is that the orchestra conductor has a wand and the pilot has a walkie talkie that's the only thing you know so that's it <laughs> yeah i mean somehow i remember reading a research paper uh, you know uh, by two master mariners at the lund university of sweden and uh, they called it the the if i remember it right uh, choreography of joint activity and you're calling it the orchestra or symphony so yeah in whichever way it is it is about finding that balance either you know choreograph and you know come out with a dance or you know come out with a symphony it's about it's about sharing the the the, the cognitive workloads and you know uh, attaining the uh, uh, the final objective of actually uh, getting the ship safely to berth and you know back uh, out to sea so yeah uh, that is uh, you know a very interesting uh, conversation which uh, you know i just uh, uh, the way you mentioned that each of them have their own domain expertise but then you need to synchronize you need to bring that symphony uh, so that you get uh, get the final uh, uh, no final the goal that we have to get the ship in uh, but rajesh actually when we began i thought uh, you know we uh, we sort of said we would sort of discuss uh, uh, history of pilotage but we are st- speaking of uh, speaking about very pertinent current uh, items also uh, one thing that intrigued me Uh, when i was reading up uh, you know uh, for this conversation with you is that uh, uh, everyone including you no know, whoever i uh, uh, mentioned the beginning uh, columbus or a uh, marco polo they had pilots with them all the time 
is that uh, you know is that is that sort of right they always had a pilot with them uh, uh in the sense that you see uh, uh, the the history always if you see i don't know if you see there was a movie with the name uh, i think i forget the name of the movie now but it was russell crow in that they say master and commander Uh-huh. yes so you know there was a particular movie so the the idea was that the person in charge of the vessel was like the commanding officer of the vessel but that doesn't mean he would have been the navigational expert you know so they used to have people who are particularly experts in navigation i mean the closest i see to that today is in the warships today you know you have a commanding officer but you have a specialized navigating officer who takes over the you know uh, the uh, authority when they are you know coming in or going out from a, in a tough spot or a, a port or something you know by the way uh, for your information for everybody else the government ships or the warships are exempted from uh, uh, pilot services you know when they are entering because they are trained in this way you know they they, they have this system now what you said about having pilots with them is true they needed pilots who had good experience in navigating oceans across the world but that is now uh, redundant and we don't have ocean pilots anymore if you ask me why i would say you know np136 or what we like to call the ocean passage of the world has replaced that you know so you don't mm-hmm. need the 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 pilots now on board all the time for uh, you know uh, navigating the oceans but of course you need pilots when you are you know reaching the final stages that is the approach to the port i mean since you said about the ocean pilot it will be interesting to mention here you know uh, the great vasco de gama when 1457 when he came to india i mean i don't know if you are aware of this calicut yeah he reached calicut but you know before that none of them could ever you know they were hugging the coast all the way from europe and coming to south africa one of them before that i think bartholomew dias he came there he caught the freak waves of cape town he got scared and ran away and said cape of no hope but the emperor said no yaar we do if you do like that then nobody will go there will make it cape of good hope you know but <laughs> nobody ever was able to successfully find that final frontier so when uh, apna gama was in uh, you know uh, what uh, in a place called malindi what we call kenya today you know in that era, year that 1457 he managed to get hold of a gentleman a gujarati navigator or a pilot and this guy this name is hardly known to even in history it is not mentioned unfortunately his name was kanji malam you know kanji malam he was a kachi uh, navigator gujarati and he is the man who took vasco da gama and his convoy across the arabian sea and brought him to calicut so if that pilot was not there gama still wouldn't have reached calicut you know so i mean if you start going that journey if 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 you know sort of thing so you see a pilot was very important even then but uh, since you said now yes the ocean pilots are no more there you don't find any more pilots doing ocean pilotage now it's not required so much of modern technology charts updated charts and you now with egdis is getting online continuous updation all it's not required to have pilots you know on for the ocean uh, legs but yes uh, for the uh, the final legs approaches and uh, the you know uh, the coming in and going out of the port that definitely you need the person with local expertise for that time of the day it's like your plane you know i i have read that you know the 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 long distance uh, planes that are tra- uh, crossing the pacific or the atlantic they can have up to four to five pilots on board 
and the the, mm-hmm. the big boss the captain only is available there for take off and landing because that is the most critical aspect the mm-hmm. remaining time he doesn't have to bother their others to do watch keeping there you know so something like that you know for the final critical aspect you need the pilot yeah i get that no uh, what, what the point i was trying to make is i mean you already made uh, is uh, that uh, yeah, you know uh, dagama actually had his own pilot uh, i think is uh, i've just written down his name uh, uh, ahmed ibn majid uh, which who was with uh, uh, vasco dagama but then he got like you said uh, uh, the uh, gujarati pilot uh, kanji malam from uh, kenya what was then malindi and he brought him to calicut now uh, this uh, the pilot who was uh, uh, originally with vasco da gama uh, uh, he was an arab and he was the arabs were supposed to be one of the first people to use uh, the earliest uh, uh, the oldest form of sextant so uh, he apparently uh, recorded all his passages uh in in uh, you know he's recorded them and that is eventually what has become the the what you said the ocean passages of the world or the admiralty sailing directions to some extent and you know uh, we actually call them those books we call them the pilots so this was a story behind that that i just uh, happened to read while i was preparing uh, yes, you know yes, for this yes yes true true so in the, fact there was another greek book also i now i'm not uh, for the uh, i'm not getting the name of it there is a greek book which was also very close to what you are calling the ocean passages of the world you know so much of uh, data in that but uh, you know abhijit the sad part of it is you know much before these arabs or the the englishman or the you know our own people if you look at history our rajaraja chola has gone so many areas where you know i mean in that time and age the expertise they had in the naval you know version of it navigation of that was unthinkable the amount of navigation they have done the amount of you know uh, but unfortunately i think they were not very ism savvy i would say you know <laughs> they were not good in paperwork so they did not keep uh, you know proper records and uh, maybe not uh, not in english either or greek or latin then we would have you know given them the status what we give to the you know the english or the 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 scandinavians and all we say that you know they are the pioneers of training pilotage and all that i mean yeah but uh, they must have, they they wrote it down that was the big advantage they had you know yeah history is always written by the victor rajesh Next. yes that's absolutely you know in fact you know i i would give you even more uh, a dirtier line which i heard in one of the movies you know the history is written by men who hang heroes you know oh <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that makes the point. Uh, anyways, I think uh, uh, we will uh, getting to close, uh, uh, Rajesh. I just wanted to know that I mean, you still piloting, you still coming across uh, the current uh, officers uh, who are on board, and uh, uh, is there any 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 message that you want them uh, you want to share with them as we close? I mean, uh, to start off with, we have to uh, understand that the government and the world over they have declared. seafarers an essential service because i have to give it to my brothers and sisters in the seafaring community in the last so many months of absolute corona outage with every virtually every sector shutting down we have not slowed down you know we have kept the ships going you know made i mean uh, given any delay to the vessels because of corona so that is one thing we are an essential service providers we have been i mean we are not doctors of course but we are i mean not very less than that we have been continuously working the other thing which i would like to give a small message out to my fraternity members is that you know 
a pilotage essentially is a service you may have private pilots government pilots you may have all sorts of people coming on board you may have individuals who are you know gelling well with you and your team you may have people who are not gelling well with you and your team it's all fun but please understand everybody who's coming on board is a human being you know his life is as important as any other human life he also has a family to go back to and he also or he or she also has somebody waiting at home to go home so the only request i have to the ship staff is to provide a safe pilot ladder you will be shocked to know abhijit that a, a, a recent unofficial survey done by the all india marine pilot association found 60% of the vessels calling indian ports overall having you know non compliant pilot ladders and that is a very very alarming figures i mean it doesn't have to be a really broken condition to become non compliant even a small you know uh, dislodgement or uh, i mean pro- improper rigging all that comes under non compliant arrangement but the fact remains that this is one of the you know most critical aspects of pilotage if you cannot provide a safe embarking or disembarking arrangement to someone who's coming on board to ensure safety of your vessel i mean what can i say and even today with so much of uh, emphasis given on type approved pilot ladders if the uh, the office staff and the ship staff are not able to coordinate and arrange a safe ladder for the pilot well what can i say and it's not just something typical to india it's all over the world i mean if you look at the last one year you see number of pilots who have died with pilot ladder accidents it's you know it's unbelievable it's it's uh, one of the oldest things in the book just to provide a safe ladder to the pilot so i mean that is one that is the only request i have from my you know fraternity members to please have a look at that and in fact our psc or i mean i don't remember in the recent uh, past when was the last cic or concentration inspection campaign for pilot ladder safety i mean i don't know in the indian coast i never seen anything happening in the indian coast of that sort so that is the only request i have from my fraternity members to understand the value of the life of the pilot that will be that's all abhijit thank you very much okay you make you make a very valid point because i i i was also while you were saying this and it was just ringing in my head because the pilot boat is something that you're very comfortable with it's something that uh, uh, you know you've been day in and day out you know you always used that boat so you know the boat very well it's very comfortable for you and then you are going to board a vessel which is completely unknown maybe you've done that vessel once but it's very likely that you know you're you're going on to a vessel where maybe uh, you know you have no idea about the uh, the response of the engine or the helm or the quality of the bridge team so i'm looking at this interface uh, for you when you are stepping on from the uh, from the safe boat that you're very comfortable with onto a ladder onto a ship which for you uh, is still unknown so that would be one of the most anxious moments in your uh, in, in 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 your in your uh, movement if i may call that yes abhijit and uh, you know you have medical evidence to prove that there was a study which showed that the 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 heart rate of the pilots was at its peak just before boarding the vessel okay yeah and because you talked about the concentration inspection captain i just happened to google it as you spoke and i see the last one was done uh, in in our uh, the riyadh mou uh, on uh, 30th november 2016 so that's that's four years ago pilotage uh, 
is a service, a safety service to the community that calls upon the pilot's thorough knowledge of the local conditions and his or her skill in handling a ship. If seafarers have been invincible, then what can we even say about the pilots? It's a unique service based upon local knowledge and the pilot's expertise of local conditions and a very high skill level of ship handling experience to conduct the navigation of the ship safely, efficiently through the jurisdiction of the pilotage area may be performed in coastal waters, rivers, ports, harbors, lakes. It could be performed uh, in different different uh, waters. Now, when we hear pilot, you know, we imagine them in those crisp white uniform, lugging a branded tro- trolley bag, walking to the aircraft, and he's everyone's envy and admiration. The toiling sea pilot, whose timing is leap from that bobbing boat as he clambers up the pilot ladder, to help bring into port the largest objects that men built, working with the elements and sometimes against them, is invisible. And these objects or the ships have almost everything we need in it. We need to think of these pilots the next time we hear the word pilot. And like Rajesh appealed to the fraternity, we need to give them safe ladders too. Thank you, pilots. We need to see and hear more of what you do. Thank you, Rajesh. Thank you, Abhijit. Thank you very much for having me this and giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you.